The Apostle Peter is known for denying Christ three times. Pastor Xavier Reese asks, in what ways are you? You see, denying Jesus can be done in many ways. By not obeying the word, the source of protection and blessing. By not having a prayer life depending on myself rather than him. By not being in fellowship or serving in the church. Hindering the efficiency of our spiritual growth as a church. I think that somehow I'm the exception. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's written in the Gospel of Matthew that following the Last Supper, Jesus and the Apostles went out to the Mount of Olives, where Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And it was Peter who said, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. But as we know all too well, despite Peter's valiant declaration, it wasn't long after for not one but three denials of his Lord. And this is the setting Pastor Xavier uses to put to the test our own commitment to walk daily in the presence of Jesus. Let's join him now with the conclusion of our Simple Truths character study of Peter. In Matthew twenty-six, fifty-eight, it says, But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard. At a distance, Peter thought he could hide from the Lord. At a distance, Peter also thought he could hide from the authorities. At a distance, Peter thought he was safe. All wrong assumptions. Notice, secondly, Peter sat with the guards warming himself in Matthew 26, 58. And he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. The act of sitting is a position of rest which Peter did not have. His position was one of anxiety. If you can imagine having denied Jesus, having told him you would never do so. You are different than these 11 clowns. The act of sitting and warming himself was hypocritical. The very position of sitting was one of betrayal to an extent. He was pretending to be something he was not. He was pretending to be cold when he was scared. (laughs) Peter denied the Lord three times. Matthew 26, verse 69 down to 75. In 69 to 70, the first time Peter denied Jesus was sitting in the light in the courtyard, and the servant girl said, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. He both denied what she meant and that he knew Jesus. The second is in verse 71 and 72. Peter denied Jesus was when he went out to the gateway. And another servant girl said, this fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it and said, He did not know the man. The third time Peter denied Jesus is in verse 73 and 74. After an hour when those who stood by came to him and declared that he certainly was one of them, for his speech betrayed him, Peter began to swear by an oath that he did not know the man. 
Wow. A relative of Malchus, whom Peter had cut off his ear, if you remember in the garden, said, did I not see you in the garden with him? <laughs> he must have freaked out. John's the only one that records that in John 8, 26. Following Jesus at a distance can be costly. John 15, 5, the vine. Stay attached to him. Abide in Christ. It causes me to hide my Christianity from those around me when I don't abide in Christ. It tends to entice me to compromise much easier. It gives me a sense of self-assurance. Sitting with the enemy betrays me and portrays me as one with the enemy. You remember Psalm 1? Blessed he who doesn't walk, doesn't stand, doesn't sit in the council of the ungodly. Because then we become one with them. Whether we are one with them or not, outwardly we become one. It implies that I walk with them in a manner of life. If I join myself to them. That's why the scriptures are very clear about not being unequally yoked as boyfriend or girlfriend or husband and wife. Because if your boyfriend or girlfriend is not a Christian and you are, and you join yourself to them, you in effect, when people look at you, they say, well, if they know him or her to be ungodly, they automatically conclude that you're also ungodly. If they do certain things, they think that you do them too because you're joining yourself with them on an ongoing basis or a committed basis of boyfriend-girlfriend. And God says, you're supposed to be a light. You're supposed to be salt. You're supposed to dispel darkness. You're supposed to cause people to thirst. It implies that I stand with them in their attitude against God. It implies that I sit with them, resting in their plans. So I have to be real careful. You see, denying Jesus can be done in many ways. By not obeying the word, the source of protection and blessing. That's the easiest way of denying Jesus in your life and mine. I don't obey the word. I think that somehow I'm the exception. Somehow, I've got a handle on this baby. Other people, man, but I've got a wire. <laughs> By not having a prayer life, depending on myself rather than him. Thinking that my past experience is sufficient, I no longer have to abide. How many athletes have done that, talented, but because they're so talented, they no longer practice thinking that's enough and they get passed up? By not being in fellowship or serving in the church. Hindering the efficiency of our spiritual growth as a church. If you're not involved in this church or in another church, you are hindering the body of Jesus Christ. Every member of your body serves a purpose and it's there for the rest of the body. The church is no different. Absolutely no different. Stop and think if, if, if you had a family of eight people and all of them were slugs and mom had to do all the work. It's the same thing in the church. 
no different. God has put it together that way, guys. So as all of us work together and we all are obedient to our gifts, now don't come and ask me what you want me. I don't want you to do anything. You go to God. You ask him what you want to do. Where do you fit? I'm not a spiritual cheerleader. <laughs> God will do that. But as everybody, God does it, to, he puts it together. It works beautifully. He is our lawyer for our defense before God, 1 John 2, 1. He doesn't plead bargain like the lawyers of the earth. The lawyers here on earth, they say, well, plead bargain. Or the lawyers will give you a defense, temporary insanity. You got post-traumatic syndrome or something. That's why you shot that guy. But Jesus is a weird lawyer. He says, listen, you want me to take your case? Here's the condition. You have to plead guilty. And if you plead guilty, I can get you off. I've never lost a case. But if you start giving me excuses, justifications, and ask for plea bargaining, I won't even listen to you. He's a different type of lawyer. <laughs> and like I said, he's never lost a case as long as you plead guilty. The denial of Jesus presents to us a picture of human weakness and conviction from God's perspective. That's good news. That God loves me so much that he doesn't let me get away with anything. He's constantly after me. He's constantly pursuing me. He's there. He's after us. Thirdly, we have a picture of divine love from God's perspective. This is compassion. In Luke twenty-two, sixty-one, the Lord turned and looked at Peter while he was yet speaking, and the rooster crowed. Can you imagine that? And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the words of the Lord. How he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Only Luke gives us this crucial detail of the Lord and Peter in his denial. The look of Jesus had to have been one of compassion, not condemnation. Can you imagine the third denial? And at that time, Peter looks and the Lord's eyes meet him. Have you ever been somewhere and, and, you look, and, and the eyes meet and you go, oh, shoot. Now, some people think that Jesus must have gone. I don't think it was that. I think he just looked and I think the look was just of compassion just to strengthen Peter. The look of nodding the head is probably what I would do. I can't believe you. All that I've done for you. The same word is used for Jesus when he looked at the rich young ruler and said, and he loved him in Mark 10, 21. The very same word. The same word is used of the disciples who were gazing up into the heavens as Jesus ascended from the Mount of Olives intently in Acts 1, 11. You see, look at verse 31 of chapter 22 of Luke here. The Lord had told Peter that he had been praying for him because Satan wanted to sift him out as wheat. 
Satan has asked for you that he may sift you out as wheat. The Lord, knowing the end from the beginning, prayed accurately and effectively. The Lord declared to him that due to his prayer, he would not fail. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you are returned to me, strengthen your brethren. The word fail means to leave, quit, relinquish, or desert in the sense of finality. All three times it appears in the New Testament. Luke 16, 9, Hebrews 1, 12, and here. The word does not mean that Peter would not deny, but that he would not abandon him. He knew Jesus was praying for him. The Lord had told Peter that when he returned or repented to Jesus, that he was to strengthen his brethren. There's the key. You and I know what it is to fail. And because we know what it is to fail, we also know what it is to be forgiven and to partake of the compassion and love of Christ. And therefore, we are able to minister to others. Not because we're perfect, but because we're perfectly in error so often. <laughs> Perfect failures so often. Notice in verse 61 of the same chapter, the man Peter remembered the words of the Lord, how he would deny him three times before the rooster crowed. And he said, before the rooster crowed, you will deny me three times. Peter was able to see his self-confidence in himself clearly at this point. The minute it happened. You ever remember when you were younger and your mom and dad says, don't do that. You know, this is going to happen. Ah, and then when it happened, what did you think when it happened? Oh, my God. Peter was able to see the Lord's love for him, knowing that Peter would betray him, and yet prayed for him and announcing his forgiveness beforehand. Do you understand this verse? That he announced his forgiveness beforehand, knowing that he was going to fail him and that he was going to repent and be restored. Of course, Peter didn't understand it when he first told it to him, but he started to get the picture when he denied him. Notice thirdly in verse 62. The man Peter wept bitterly. He went out and wept bitterly. And the word wept means to mourn, to weep, to lament. This is evidence of godly sorrow, according to 2 Corinthians 7.10. Evidence of a broken and contrite heart, Psalm 51.17. You see, this is pain and grieving for the offense. Not simply for the consequence. There's where so many times... People blow it. They're grieving for the wrong thing. The added description reinforces and gives emphasis to the agony of the failure and the bitterly. Sin is regretful thing, isn't it? Sin is con a condemning experience. Sin is death to fellowship with God until man confesses it. Like trying to talk on the phone with the wires cut. Well, you can talk and fool whoever's in front of you, but you're not fooling anybody but yourself because there's no one on the other end. 
Until those wires get connected again, there's no communication. Confession. Notice, fourthly, go to chapter 21 of, of John. We touched it a little bit last time, but let me just point out some things here. In John 21, verse 1 through 23, the man Peter was restored by our Lord. And let me just briefly walk you through it. In verses 1 through 14, Peter had denied the Lord and returned to his old profession of fishing. As you know, they were fishing all night. They caught nothing. Then the Lord from the shore told them to cast their net on the other side. Peter, hearing John say that it was the Lord, he plunged himself into the water. Why? Because Peter knew that the Lord loved him and had forgiven him. He had had some time to think about what had happened. He had time to think about what Jesus had said to him. He had time to reflect upon the vision of his eye. And so from verses 15 to 23, Peter was recommissioned by Jesus and returned to his first love. Three times Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. You're familiar with the passage by his name, Simon Peter. Probably to assure him of his complete forgiveness. In verse 15, the Lord asked him the first time, do you love me? Do you agape me more than these? And remember, we talked about the reference. It could be, do you love me more than these boats? Do you love me more than these fish? Or do you love me more than these other disciples? Because he had boasted how he, he would never deny him. What's the Lord after? The Lord is after Peter's heart. Is your heart the same, Peter, or has it truly changed? Are you going to say, well, you know, I'll never... Have you learned your lesson? Peter never used the word agape. In his response, he used the word phileo, emotional love. A, a love of friendship. Having a humbler attitude. He, he's, he's not boasting anymore. He's thinking lowly of himself. That's always good when that happens. When God allows us to go through things and it just knocks us down a notch, not to humiliate us, but to give us perspective of who we are so we trust in God, that's always good. Always good. And so the Lord recommissions Simon Peter a total of three times. In verse 15, the first time by telling him, feed my lambs, the young and tender ones. The second time in verse 16, tend to... His sheep, he said. And the word ten again means to ten as a shepherd. The older sheep to be led, feeding, protecting them, overseeing them. And the third time in verse 17, he says, feed my sheep. And the word feed there means to pasture, graze. The same one as in verse 15. The Lord used the word phileo the third time. And he addressed Simon accepting him on the level of his commitment. He had proper view of self now. Jesus was not attempting to condemn him, not to make him squirm, but he wanted him to be assured of the forgiveness and his dependency on Jesus Christ. And so the man Peter in verse 17 answered Jesus in two ways for the third time. Peter acknowledged that Jesus was Lord. Three times he says it. That's good. You see, Peter had come to grips with himself as a sinner like any other person without any delusion about himself. That is what Jesus is ever trying to drive home to me every day of my life. 
No matter how much God does through me, no matter what he allows to accomplish, it's all him. And I have to keep that in mind. I am a glass. You can put water in a glass. You can put lemonade. You can put wine. You can put oil. The glass has nothing to do with the content. He's simply a glass. So let's glory in the content, God, and not in the vessel. There's the key to remain humble. The cross is the greatest evidence of God's constant love and compassion for you and myself in that he died knowing all the things that we would commit, all the failures, and he did it while we were yet sinners. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but everlasting life. It is just mind-boggling, the love of God. And the longer you walk with God, it becomes clearer and clearer. If not, something's wrong. Do you realize that whenever you fail Jesus, he looks on you with loving compassion, not anger or vengeance. As you approach the throne of grace to find help in time of need in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. He's like that father just waiting for you to come. Do you understand that Jesus ever lives to make an intercession for you? That's his position right now. Hebrews 7, 25. Do you realize that God is the God of second chances? Thank God for that. Your pastor would not be here. Like Peter, like Jonah, God is ever loving and faithful. During the first persecution of Christianity by Emperor Nero, Christians begged Peter not to expose his life, which was considered necessary for the well-being of the church. Finally, Peter consented to depart from Rome. But as he fled along the Apian Way, about two miles from the gate, he was met by a vision of the Savior traveling towards the city. Struck with amazement, he exclaimed, Lord, whither goest thou? The Savior looked upon him with a mild sadness, replied, I go to Rome to be crucified a second time, and then vanished. Peter immediately turned back and returned to the city. Tradition tells us that Peter did not think himself worthy to be crucified like his Lord, so we ask that he be crucified upside down. Peter learned his lessons. The denial of Peter has revealed the three pictures from God's perspective that are so important for our lives. The picture of complete knowledge and comprehension from God's perspective. Nothing takes him by surprise. The picture of human weakness and conviction from God's perspective. That's what he's seeking. And the picture of divine love and compassion from God's perspective. That's what he wants to do in us. I tell you, when we get up to heaven, it's going to be a great, great big party. We're going to know exactly, exactly what it means that he loves us in a way that we cannot know it here. But we get a pretty good picture here. 
but it's going to be something altogether different when we get there. Pastor Xavier Reese reminding us that we do serve a God of second chances as he draws to a conclusion our Simple Truths character study of Peter. And just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's study titled Peter Part 2 are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply Peter Part 2, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 